just to be encouraged also. God is good. Um, let's turn just for a short reading to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 9. It's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour, and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. What we see can be very subjective, can't it? That's right, isn't it? Sometimes um, one person's perspective might differ from another. Two eyewitnesses might see the same thing, but describe it in different ways. So it's a very interesting thought when we talk about seeing something or someone. You may remember that a little while ago we had a bit of fun on a family service morning with the, the Rorschach test. That's where you got an in ink blot. Remember that? Yeah, some of you looking blank. For some people that's a natural look. I won't say anymore. That's my natural look. We had a bit of fun. Some might see human faces. So some might see animals or creatures, inanimate objects, things from science fiction. But there's no right or wrong with the Rorschach test, apparently. It's, um, it's all subjective and what people see. Of course, the experts can glean various character traits from the test. And interestingly, the ink blots aren't made to look like anything specific. It's what the person chooses to see, what the individual chooses to see. Well, we've just read from Hebrews 2. And the writer of the Hebrews makes it very clear this morning what they see. Very clear. They're not focusing on angels, however impressive they might be. I haven't seen one personally, but I'm sure they are impressive. And whilst there's an acknowledgement of God's glory inherent in mankind, and we're all grateful for that, that's still not the focus. I'm going to suggest this morning there's four words that make up that focus, that focal, that central point in the reading this morning. Four words. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. The two main themes throughout the book of Hebrews are the supremacy of Christ. Praise God. There's no one above him. He's far above all. The supremacy of Christ and that Christ Jesus is the mediator of God's grace to each one of us. Brings it to each one of us. Even in difficult circumstances sometimes, because it mentions that in Hebrews too. He's the mediator of a new and living faith. In other words, the author is focusing our attention. He's wanting us to look intently, 
honing our vision, directing our gaze at who? Jesus. At Jesus. But we see Jesus. And that's a statement of belief and we consider all of that entails and we'll touch on it in various ways this morning remember when John the Baptist was um, was at the Jordan River nod your head I just want to make sure you're still awake and if you're not I don't know if there's anything heavy we can throw at you but we'll, we'll get no one to go up and down the aisles just to make sure you're awake John the Baptist is at the River Jordan someone's coming towards him it's Jesus what does he shout out, declare, proclaim? Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look! The Lamb of God. See, John wasn't just looking at the man, was he? He wasn't just looking at, well, Jesus was a relative. But he wasn't just looking at him. And he was looking past the fact that this is going to be an exciting time. Jesus is coming towards him. He was looking past all of that. And by faith, he saw Jesus' power. He saw Jesus' purpose. He saw Jesus' presence. Lord, when you're here this morning, may we see your purpose and your power and your presence as you move upon us. And I think, I don't think, I know that by the Holy Spirit we felt his purpose, his power and his presence this morning, haven't we? Look. The Lamb of God, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Hebrews 12, chapter 2 says this, especially for Hayden, this is from the ESV. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God looking to Jesus I'd like to quote the same passage from the Amplified Version and and listen to the emphasis listen to uh, the focus the attention as it's expanded in the Amplified Version it says this looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of faith the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity looking away from all that distracts us and looking to Jesus but we see Jesus isn't that right this morning? but we see Jesus when our attention is on the Lord the distractions fade away. We're spurred on, we're motivated, we're quickened, we're encouraged by God the Holy Spirit as our souls rest in Him. And that's what we do on a Sunday morning, isn't it? We put away the distractions and our souls rest in Him. Because the other things fade, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. And it's an incredible richness, isn't it, too? that our God has lavished on us. It's an incredible richness because it says there that he brings our faith to maturity. He's honing us, moulding us, building us in a way that he knows best. It's even better when as a group of believers 
uh, for the short time around the table as we take communion we lift him up we glorify him we exalt him we've been singing it exalt the Lord our God we respond together because our hearts and our minds and our souls are responding we're lifting our voices our spirits our hands up to him because why he is worthy and Hayden has already beat me to it in Revelation John said then I looked who's he looking at? the Lamb of God Jesus you are worthy because you are worthy there's an old John Pantley song which says this slip off your shoes and leave your doubts outside you won't be using the walk of the world in his presence you'll only need your repentant heart it's a lovely phrase that's not slip off your shoes and leave the world outside leave the doubts outside and that's the humble attitude that we should aspire to every Sunday morning isn't it that's, that's the attitude we want to have it's not that we don't struggle at times not, it's not difficulties on occasion it's not about the things that make us happy or sad it's about the fact that we're in his presence and we can acknowledge that we are here but more importantly acknowledge that he is here he is here but we see Jesus and who he is we can ponder on what that really means now 2 Corinthians 5 7 is a well known verse and it says that we live by faith and not by sight so that seems a bit of a contradiction bearing in mind what I'm saying this morning doesn't it but it's not how can we see him how can we gaze upon his majesty how can we revel in his presence and marvel in his holiness simply as we know not through these poor eyes and these eyes are getting poorer some people might have 20, 20 vision so put your hand up if you've got perfect vision no I see that hand right that's one out of about 40 so there you go but even if you've got 20 20 vision it's not through these poor eyes it's through the eyes of faith in Jesus it's a very special gift of grace that God gives us the gift of faith the gift of, because of his mercy because of the word of truth that we've received because of the transformation in our lives we can see and even if it is as the Bible says through a glass a bit dimly at the moment even if it is like that we still see his glory shining don't we have you felt his glory shining this morning we still see that his radiance is magnificent we still recognise that his holiness is awesome but we see Jesus you know when you look at Jesus what do you see well that's, that's a question which has a lot of answers and a bit like you know when you consider the diamond has many facets there's so many facets to Jesus that would be a study so we'll give that one to Pastor Hayden sometime there you go what do you see when you see Jesus the facets of Jesus I just want to think of a few this morning. You know, a particularly poignant passage when we've taken communion on a Sunday morning is from Isaiah 53. The second half of verse 2 to verse 5 says this. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. A man of sorrows that was despised, rejected, smitten, crushed, punished, suffered, afflicted and bore sins. That's what many would see. And I guess to a certain extent that's what we see. But here's the first passage. But we see Jesus, the perfect Son of God, who became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. The perfect Son of God that became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And as we follow on through Isaiah and Isaiah 61, there's a wonderful declaration about the Saviour and um, the fact that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice and and the consequences that he satisfied the requirements of a just and righteous God some requirements that we could never ever meet but he did and Jesus fulfilled the scriptures and and Luke 4 tells us about that he's in the synagogue it's a Sunday morning it's Nazareth and he's handed a scroll and he reads from the scroll in Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and a recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When he handed back the scroll, Luke says that all eyes were upon him. Everyone looked at him. Friends, we received the good news of salvation. Isn't that wonderful? We heard the pro- proclamation of liberty, no longer captive to sin and death. We have been set free, given a new life in him. wonder how many people in the synagogue saw the man, or perhaps even saw a teacher, or perhaps even thought, well, this is a prophet. I wonder how many people saw this is the Saviour, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. But we see Jesus second facet, who in his own words fulfilled the will of God. He is our conquering king. He is our conquering king. He has set those captives free. Us. Bring liberty to captives. A song we used to sing in the choir sums it up like this. He came to give us life in all its fullness. He came to make the blind to see. He came to banish death and doubt and darkness he came to set his people free good news we're his people and he set us free isn't that wonderful Hebrews 12 talks about Jesus being our perfect example looking at the big picture and not just what's on happening around us whether it be joyous or good or challenging and sombre to set our hearts and minds on things above on the big picture the eternal things, things that never fade or rust or decay. It says this in, in chapter 12, verse 2. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus focused on the joy. And we can focus on the joy as we see Jesus. The joy of sins forgiven. The joy of a living hope. The joy of being with him one day. And even if the hard to be from time to time, let's focus on the joy. Let's look to Jesus. He's, Hebrews 4 talks about the fact that he's our great high priest who can sympathise with us, with our infirmities. And not only that, but invites us to draw near. And it says in that passage, and receive from the throne of grace. Wow. We can get something by royal appointment. That's marvellous, that, isn't it? We can get something from God by royal appointment. But we see Jesus, and he's more qualified to sympathise, to understand, and to provide encouragement, and to be depended upon than anyone else that we know. He knows how we are. Psalm 27. It's actually sung it, sung it Tracy in our wedding. Not literally from the psalm itself, but it was a song by Adrian Snell. To be with you all the days of my life. It, verses 4 and 5 read like this. One thing I ask from the Lord. This is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and set me high upon a rock. So from whatever perspective we see Jesus today, wherever you sit, we can take advantage of being in the house of the Lord. It says there to dwell. <coughs> to dwell. Meaning the perpetual position of being in his presence. And as Christians, that's where we're meant to be. Perpetually in his presence. Where we really belong. To seek him in spirit and truth. For he will keep us safe and place us on the solid rock. The rock Christ Jesus. Notice the psalmist phrases it like this about his Saviour. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. We sing, don't we? You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvellous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Can't get my head round it. Like nothing ever seen or heard. Chorus, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praises due. I stand in awe of you. So this morning we've considered as we look at Jesus, but we see Jesus, that he is God's perfect sacrifice <coughs> for sin. Our conquering saviour, our sympathetic great high priest, our safe and solid rock. And the last facet, which is going to be revealed in scripture, I'm not going to say much about this, but it's wonderful. That he is our sovereign glorified, who's graciously brought us into his family. Verses 9 to 11. We read verse 9 but we didn't go on to 11. But they read like this. But we see Jesus. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory and honour. Because he suffered death. 
so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. Listen to this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. But we see Jesus and what a wonderful sight he is.